This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me. This is a year-end wrap for 2023. I'll be talking about some of the gigs I attended and why they're worthy. Do a summary of the albums that I enjoyed. So it's a top 10, but it's not in any numerical order, I must point out. And I'll also be talking about the conversations, many of the chats that have happened throughout the year. So why don't we start with that? Okay, so I've got some notes here. So I'm going to be reading a little bit, not verbatim, but I've got some notes that I need to take some cues from. So I'll go between you, the camera, and my notes here. All right, let's do it. Okay, so the Chronicles of Filth, we had a bumper year. Paul Ryan, Chris Bell, Nigel Wingrove, Mike Exeter, James McIlroy, who have become mates with, and finally, the great Sarah Jezebel Diva. Thank you to everybody who reached out with words of encouragement and support and asked me to have Sarah on the show, and I saw plenty of people hitting her up in comments on her socials feed asking the same thing. And it finally happened, and it more than lived up to expectations, I must say, and Sarah and I are still in communication. I know she's back as a recording artist as well, you'll start to see her name alongside some other rather rather important luminaries in black metal. Okay, so I won't spill the beans. I'll let her do that and the other people that she's playing with do that. But it's fair to say she is back and she's back in a big way. That chat, by the way, was easily the most listened to new conversation posted. For a bit of a factoid, the most listened to chat in 2023 belonged to Trey Exagtoth's mother, Janelle Fulgham Emanuel. So it just goes to show there is enormous interest out there in the life and times of the great Trey Exagtoth. That conversation was recorded back in 2019, so it was only recently posted to uh, YouTube. It has been available available by, via, get it out, <laughs> via the podcast apps for some time, but um there you go. All right. Uh, I've got a few more Cradle of Filth conversations, I might add, in the can as well. I'm just waiting for some approvals before I hit the release button on them. Okay. One of my favorite chats of the year must have been with uh, Scotty Edgar from Misery. Now, they're Queensland's greatest, probably the one of the greatest bands to come out of Queensland, full stop, but certainly our greatest musical heavy metal and extreme metal export. They must be. My God, Damon up front with what he does on bass and vocals too. I witnessed them only recently for the first time. I can't believe it. I've been into them for years, but it was the first time I'd seen them live down at Vinny's Dive on the Gold Coast in Southport. And Scotty Edgar's playing just, it blew my mind. He is one of the greatest extreme metal guitarists around. He's just so tight. And that whole band are like a, a killing machine. I can't wait to see them again, actually. But uh, my chat with Scott's a good one. It's over at uh, it's on both Spotify, all the podcast apps, and also on YouTube. And uh, I should also add that I've got a chat with his compatriot in a laceration mantra, Rob, bassist and vocalist. He loves working with bassists and vocalists, Scotty, because uh, Rob's a good fella too been having some chats with him on social media and look forward to a conversation soon after or launch that soon after Christmas. 
Now, Phil Susan was a surprise. I didn't expect to have him on the show at all, it must be said. Phil Susan, Ozzy Osbourne's bass player, wrote his biggest hit in Shot in the Dark. Um, what happened there was I had booked a conversation with a member of Last in Line. That's the Dio Legacy Act. And uh, the with the vocalist whose name escapes me, I apologise, but... Phil's name appeared in the Zoom thing saying wanting to come into the chat and you could have blown me over with a feather. He uh, ended up being a fantastic chat and it was just one of those ones they say, don't meet your, you know the people that you've looked up to or you've, you, you, you especially aspire to meet or what have you. But, you know, in just about every instance, it's uh, not true because after my chat with Phil, I just came away with an even greater feeling of well-being that my support throughout those years for Phil and his work had been well-placed. And another surprise was uh, the great Jesper Stromblad. That was the biggest surprise of the year by far because I had a chat booked with the vocalist in Syra, Jake E. He goes by the pseudonym. And Jesper happened to be in the rehearsal studio and Jake, tremendous fellow, went and grabbed him on my requests and what followed was about 20 minutes of back and forth. And it's safe to say that Jesper, is uh, he's back too, meaning that uh, I don't think he can tour. Uh, he's still got his challenges, but he's certainly back as a recording artist because he's on a few projects there. I think he, I think he just does Syrah these, oh, the Halo Effect and Syrah. There you go. But great to finally meet Jasper and to give him the feedback that his work has been very meaningful to a lot of people out there, and he had been one of those people that had been requested. People have asked me to get in touch with him. Well, there you go. I finally got the Tardy Brothers from Obituary. Unbelievable, okay? Um, just to finally have that conversation with those two blokes and share the story, I'll let you go across and have a listen to that chat if you haven't done so already, but I shared a story that happened very early on in my relationship with my now wife when I showed her my music, Obituary, Death, Morbid Angel, and her reaction and had to share that with the brothers, uh, Priceless. Jason Bonham, he was another killer conversation as was Jamie Stinson, a.k.a. Astonu. Now, we're mates these days, and uh, he, look, his time in Demu Borgir, it was, uh, it's very, very notable, and there are a couple of reasons that I'll be exploring that in some, in some detail throughout next year, okay? But without Jamie doing what he did, I don't think that the neoclassical side of playing, guitar playing, that Randy Rhodes style of playing, it would have made its way into black metal in the way that it did. So he's just one of those guys. Now, returning guests featured uh, Blitz from Overkill, Millie Petroza, of course, from Creator, and David Ellison, ex-Megadeth. David was fantastic. All of them were, of course. They're all all gentlemen, and those, those elder statesmen, can I call them that? Those elder statesmen, they have proven time and time again, from my perspective to me, almost universally the most enjoyable chats on the whole because no topic is off limits and they can handle all of the questions that I like to throw at them in a way that I think that they're comfortable with. You know, they don't – I did have a bit of an episode with some with, with, with somebody from – I won't even go and say where the country is, where the band's from or what have you, but – yeah, apparently I'm a Trump supporter, according to somebody who I had a chat with this year. <laughs> What's wrong with that anyway, I think? But 
it was done in the pejorative and it was some feedback and I had to cut the chat down, but I still had to release it out there. But I couldn't really give a shit, to be honest with you, because we I like to piss off the lefties and the woke on this show. And uh, Exhibit A, apart from that one, which I can't really mention, <laughs> is with Mark from Metal Church. Go and check that one out. There we go to town on that one. And also Scott from Carnifex. It was also the same with my chat with my good mate, Dave Coots. He's the fellow who was in the group called Talk Show. So the guys in Stone Temple Pilots, when they realised in 1996 they could not work with the late, great Scott Weiland anymore for obvious bloody reasons, they recruited Dave and they recorded that killer album. Well, he and I are mates these days and he brought along his mate, who's now become my mate, Mark Dunn as well. That's a great chat too if you're interested now on the Australian front, again, uh, apart from the guys in Misery and Laceration Mantra, Eric from the Amenta was tremendous. I actually met him way back in the day and I remembered him from 1998 at the Destroyer 666 show. There you go. He was in a group called, I can't remember now, Crucible of Agony. There you go. Crucible of Agony, which is more or less morphed into what the Amenta is these days, but the Amenta, wow, just going from strength to strength. And also, in line with the Tardy brothers, I'd been hoping, fingers crossed, that a chat with the great Dave Haley was going to happen, and it did. What shocked me even more was he listens to the show, and he told me that he keeps up to date with it. So that was probably the highlight of the year from the perspective of getting some feedback from someone whose music I've truly enjoyed and from somebody that I greatly respect to know that I'm part of their life in some very small way but still there is meaningful. Now, I could go on and talk about all the other great chats that I've had because there are many, there are almost 70 this year as a matter of fact, I think I'm right in saying, but uh, it's reasonable to say that every year it's, it's always enjoyable. It's always enjoyable, but I do think 2023 will go down as one of those years where the show turned a bit of a corner in some ways. And the reason I say that is because I'm more than comfortable to talk about any topic on anyone's agenda at this point in time, a guest that is. I'm quite happy to bring up any topic and I'm quite more than comfortable to talk about anything that any of the guests bring up. And I think that's proven for the most part. <laughs> for the most part, throughout many of the chats that I had this year. Just look forward to some of the biggest and critically acclaimed names on the show next year. They're, they're either touring or they've got albums coming up and the emails will come through and I will dutifully accept an opportunity to have a chat with them. All right, let's talk about the albums that moved me in 2023. Again, I'm not going to be doing a top 10 in numerical order. It's just 10 of the albums that I think they are highly, highly recommended that are worthwhile. And Exhibit A belongs to one of the greatest death metal bands ever, Suffocation. Hymns of the Apocrypha. Okay, so Terence Hobbs, he can do no wrong. He is the music, his musical vision is the gift that just keeps on giving, doesn't it? And it's rolled gold, death metal, featuring his riffs, Derek Boyer's superb bass playing, and now Ricky Myers on vocals. You wouldn't notice the change from Frank Mullen to uh, Ricky at all, such as Ricky's very – it fits. It's like a glove. It's a jigsaw puzzle piece. That The band is releasing material this strong this far into their career, 
There are a dozen albums and EPs into their career. It suggests they're not going to slow down anytime soon. The tune that I recommend that you check out if you're looking for an entry point to the album is Seraphim Enslavement because it has all of the ingredients of a killer suffocation tune. Next, Overkill, Scorched. I already mentioned I had a chat with Blitz this year. Well, that was another great installment to a mini combo. I've had about three or four with him now, so it was a killer installment. But that Overkill, they're, they're almost two dozen albums, or they might be well over that if you include live albums and EPs and all of the odds and ends, but certainly studio albums that you can go out there and stream or what have you. They're almost two dozen, and they are still a force to be reckoned with. Colin Richardson produced Scorched, and you can bloody well hear it because you can hear everything in equal measures, and that's the trick with a great band like Overkill. Look, Blitz has never sounded better, and Overkill worked best when DD's bass playing is prominent in the mix, and he is probably the majority songwriter on this album too, meaning the music, because it's got a lot of swing, there's a lot of groove, and the best song on the album, the song that I want you to sample to as your gateway into the rest of it is Won't Be Coming Back. It's got a bit of a Dio vibe matched with that traditional overkill swing. Next. Fifth Angel, When Angels Kill. Now, these guys were a surprise back in 2018 when they released their comeback after 25-odd years, I think it was. That was a very good album. It made my top albums list in 2018, but uh, When Angels Kill is even better. Ken Mary, the group's mastermind and percussionist, he is a tour de force of rock and metal, drumming and percussion, just have a listen to what he does. He's not a flashy player in the traditional sense. You won't be sitting there and, well, you'll be air drumming, but you'll be air drumming because everything he does suits the riffs perfectly and he's a songwriter, okay? So the songs are all there too on this album. Of course they are. It's a melodic metal extravaganza. It's mid-paced. Resist the Tyrant is pure mid-paced bliss. Incantation, unholy deification. The gig of the year, I might add as well. I went to them, see them down in Melbourne and holy shit, John McKenty and his merry men, including the great Dan Vadim Vaughn from Morbid Angel, the guitarist, the the uh, rhythm guitarist in Morbid Angel. He is now uh, playing bass, or certainly was up until a few weeks ago, playing bass in Incantation. And it was good to get a, a bit of interface with him too. He's a tremendous fella. 
Um, but look, about the album, it's doom-tinged death metal at its very best. Look, John practically invented that type of genre back in the day. Certainly, it's been the most his band's most enduring contribution to extreme metal. I just love how John manages to write crushing, crushing music that doesn't saturate your eardrums. Okay, so there's a little bit of breathing space. That's a bit of a theme with, excuse me, with my. Uh, musical tastes, but uh, so much extreme stuff has a tendency to saturate, not incantation. Check out Convulse from the album. It has a crushing midsection. Cadaver, the age of the offended. Now, nobody would pick that a bloke whose typical, whose musical musical background would typically be associated with ACDC and Accept and those sort of bands would be one of the more accomplished extreme metal guitarists these days. But if you're Ronnie Latecro, there you go. Ronnie Latecro from TNT of all bands, he helped the uh, Cadaver mastermind and as Odin deliver a very strong death metal statement. So they've been around, they were certainly around in the 80s and 90s, but they were more known as a, a, a demo band, influencing bands in the underground. Um, but now they're back as a full-fledged death metal outfit and it's sounding good. Now, as I say, if you're anything like me, you view the band as a bit of a legacy act, but I don't think that's quite right these days, especially with the strength of the age of the offended. I really enjoy the death dirge psychophants swing, which opens the album. It's got very maudlin, very maudlin sounding thing, but it only goes for a minute and a half. I wish they'd built on that and put a whole song around it. So I'll suggest there's a deeper cut on the album called The Craving to check out. And that defines what Anders is all about these days and his partnership, at least, with Ronnie Latecro. Status, the shadow inside. Okay, I'm a bassist, so I have a thing for Steve DiGiorgio. All bass players do because he's just probably the best ever. Let's face it. And when I saw that Status was on the schedule of releases for 2023, I was a bit sceptical because I didn't think Steve would be a part of the recording lineup because he's just so busy and Testament are getting bigger. So... He is, and, and he isn't a part of it, but it's to Darren Travis. I had a great chat with him this year too. Should have mentioned him earlier, but a tremendous conversation with Darren Travis. And to his absolute credit, as all good captains do, he picked up the bat and ball, or in this case, the bass guitar, and played on the album himself. So he plays all of the stringed instruments on The Shadow Inside, and it shows because it's bristling with intent. It is a very, it's angry, it's vital. It's one of those albums that'll knock you out a little bit, okay? It's not, it's not stale, okay? And that can happen. You can hear the intent all across the album. Some amazing riffs. The vocal is just as cutting as it was way back in the day. For uh, Darren, he's definitely got it. Plenty of life in the old beast yet. Ride the Knife is the tune that I want you to listen to. It's a gnarly, grooving monster of a thing with an epic intro that's made for playing live and hopefully 
that happens soon here in Australia. Talk about surprises, this one was because it was released with little fanfare and it's an EP. It's called Death Is But A Door and it's by Alluvial. Now, a lot of people have checked out my chat with Wes Hauk from the group. He's a Iraq vet, so he's part of the military and he's got a he's got a heck of a story if you listen to my conversation with him on the podcast. It's available on YouTube as well, but uh, just about anything by Wes, it's worth celebrating, Okay. And on this three-song EP, he's dug deep into the Shredder's big bag of tricks. In my view, there's him and Josh Travis as, you wouldn't call them emerging guitarists because they're well beyond that, but they're the next two guys that I believe will be hailed as the big things, if you know what I'm saying, in guitar, in the world of guitar and Shred, particularly as we are mining ground here in extreme metal. Now, Wes's genius is really all about his restraint. He can actually do it fucking all, but he chooses not to. And he does little bits of everything here and there. It's all very much to taste and heavy. And when you take the time to slow down and really investigate how he's playing, it's only the very advanced guitarist among us, guitarists among us that will be able to understand completely what it is that he does, do check out Bog Dweller for an example of everything that I just mentioned. Grand Cadaver, now this one was it's not a surprise from the perspective that any group that had Michael Stanny from Dark Tranquility and the Halo Effect X in Flames as well as the singer is going to produce something worthy, but Deities of Death Like Sleep from Grand Cadaver, that's an old school Stockholm death metal extravaganza and you can practically smell the stale beer on the rehearsal room carpet that these guys were using to hone these tunes and tunes and knock them into shape. Fantastic stuff. Look, as I said, Michael and a host of worthy musicians from the Stockholm district, they've delivered a masterclass in down-tuned riffage, think unleashed, entombed, dismember, all of the greats, all of the good stuff. And uh, only that only the Swedes really know how to do. They only know how to do it like the way that they've done it across day de- de- deities. I'll get it out, Jesus, of death like sleep. Serrated Jaws is the tune to tune into. It's a lesson in how to make your boss HM2 pedal sound very crunchy. The Amenta, Plague of Locusts. So look, I was really pleased not to have to shoehorn a couple of Australian releases into my top 10 because I don't like doing that. I am patriotic, but I don't do it just because I feel like it. The Amenta's Plague of Locusts is is a magnificent, it's a mostly covers affair, but you wouldn't know it because they've reimagined and the best bands know how to reimagine a tune in, in their way. And so it sounds very uniform. So whilst they're still great and lashings and 
all of the songs sound identifiably as they were recorded by the original artist. And in this case, we're talking about Alice in Chains, Lord Chaos. That's Astonu from Demon Borgir that I mentioned before. That's his band when he started in Sydney. Domana Gallas. Um, I think there's My Dying Bride, Killing Joke, and a few others on there. But I'm certainly familiar with the Lord Chaos tune, Alice in Chains, and Nazul. They're another killer band from Sydney, so they dove, dove deep into their influences and some of the bands that they're inspired by on the local scene from the sounds there. But really great to have that that chat with Eric and to get some understanding about why they chose to do that. And The Plague of Locusts, the title track too, was uh, one of the cuts of the year. They're just heavy. They've got a real ominous sound to them, the Amenter. It sounds like shit's about to fall apart around you. They give you that vibe, but they're they're tight, it's brutal, and they I'll talk about their show with Emperor a bit later on. Because I missed them when they came up in December when they played at one of the local places here in the valley. And I'm a bit disappointed in that because I had a gig myself on that night, but I will try and catch up with the guys and have a soda water or t- excuse me. Or two and just um yeah, they're good guys to hang out with, I understand. Um, look, it's it's hard to go past their uh, their take of Crystal Lakes by Lord Chaos as well. If you want to check out that tune, it's all available on Spotify. Okay, last but certainly not least, there's another Australian, well, releases. Okay, but they're by the same musicians, and I'm talking about Matt Wilcock, Dave Haley, and Sam Bean. Now, Sam Bean is a tremendous frontman. I've seen Werewolves a couple of times now, and Werewolves featuring Matt Wilcock from he from the Berserker, Akakoka, and Shotgun Mistress. Shotgun Mistress, yeah, it's a, hopefully their new album comes out next year. Yeah, great. I've had a bit of a listen to some of it, and yeah, let me tell you, it, it would definitely have been on this list if I'd if it had been released this year, but anywho. Um, unbelievable stuff from Werewolves. My Enemies Look and Sound Like Me is the name of their album, but the same musicians, so Sam, Dave and Matt, they reimagined their brutal death metals, brutal yeah, brutal black metal. There you go, brutal death metal to brutal black metal and Faustian, We Come As Angels. Both of them are easily available on uh, Spotify and I think you can go across to Bandcamp and... Check out the physical copy if you're that way inclined. They only do small runs of things, so there might be 30 or 40 of whatever the medium is that you like, CD or vinyl or maybe even tape, I don't know. Check out the Bandcamp page. But the point is Matt Wilcock, he's just got a deep mine of riffs and he they're all good. I don't know how he does it. It was great to catch up with him and Sam at the Archspire uh, gig this year as well. To the There were some worthy, um, there were some other albums that I think you should check out as well. The eligibility list, call it that. Syra, again, I think that features, yeah, definitely Jesper. Doro, Doro had a good one out too, and she was a great chat this year, I should mention as well. She's such a lovely lady. Till the Dirt was almost in the top 10. 
Um, that's Kelly Schaefer from Atheist's other band. Uh, Silosis had a good one. Filebard from the UK. Cryptopsy are back. Watain with a with a live album recorded in Stockholm in 2022. The Cavalera Brothers, Max and Igor, reimagined the two. Well, they're, they're not demos, but they sound like it. The first two Sepultura albums. Bestial Devastation is one, and I can't remember the name of the other one. You are not a fan if you can't remember the name of the other album. How dare you? Yes, how dare I? But, uh, yeah, both of those albums, those first two albums from Sepultura, um, Max and Igor Cavalera have done a great job with them. Immortal, a lot of people didn't like that album, the new one from Immortal, didn't like what Demon As is doing there, but I do. It's pretty good stuff. I haven't listened to it a heap, but... It's still worthy. Alice Cooper played a lot of his stuff on the music show. Cannibal Corpse, anything with Eric Rutan, it's going to be brilliant. And you've got Alex Webster on bass too there. Uh, I mentioned Cryptopsy already. Shepherd's Rain, they're from New Zealand, but they mine their Samoan heritage and match that to peerless heavy metal. It's got a bit of a, I suppose, Lamb of God-y vibe about it, but uh, hopefully they'll play over here in Australia soon. Stephen Wilson had one out. It's always uh, interesting to hear what he comes up with because he's, he's a magnificent producer, great musician too. Arez and Eternus had a new one. Eons Abyss from Melbourne. Got a package in the mail from them not too long ago and I have been spinning the new one. It is a delight. Killer stuff. Cataclysm with Goliath, Ringworm with Seeing Through Fire and the last album I'll recommend is Necromantium from Carnifex. All right, so that's it for the albums. Let's talk about some of the gigs that I attended and why I think they were, uh, if they come through town, if these bands come through town, when uh, if these when these bands next come through your town, check them out. I'll get it out eventually again. Okay. Emperor. Can't go past a bit of Emperor, but why are they on my list? It, they were groovy. I don't know how else to say it. They were a band that, played as a fucking band. I didn't expect that. I thought it would be all triggered drums and probably was, but, you know, click, click, uh, you know, a set set list without any moving of the songs around or what have you. There was a bit at the end there that this is the Eaton's Hill gig at uh, Brisbane that the Amenta supported Emperor at. Um, there was a bit at the end where Ishan, I think, looked to Samuel and said, what do you want to play now or something like that? Or I think he asked us in the crowd what we wanted to hear. So they're, they're a great band and I mean that. Bands do that. If you have to play to a, all the bullshit in the background, the backing tracks and all the rest of it, I get that a lot of bands have got to do that. The Halo Effect did it and it didn't affect their performance, but it just means that you've got to stick to – well, the Halo Effect probably need to do it because they've only got the one album out, but Emperor with their catalogue, yeah, it's nice to be nimble. There you go. I mentioned that um, Incantation – so I've already spoken about that when I mentioned the album earlier, but um, – Definitely was the gig of, gig of the year. I travelled down to Melbourne with my wife and we made a weekend of it and they weren't playing in Brisbane, so I couldn't go along and watch John and Co. And I had every intention of watching Incantation, so that's why I did that. And my God, I'm glad I did. They did not disappoint at all. But I Am Morbid featuring Dave Vincent, Pete Sandoval, and uh, Richie Brown was supposed to be with the touring party too, but uh, I understand that he wasn't able to – well, he wasn't – he wasn't on stage, we'll leave it at that, in Australia. 
Um, but uh, Bill Hudson, my mate Bill Hudson. Now, um, when I say my mate, we've had a few exchanges over the years. I've interviewed him, but yeah, we've had some texts back and forth and what have you. And he's a really nice guy, uh, Bill. He's a hell of a talent, it must be said too. Uh, you know, if you talk about guys like Wes Hauk and stuff, he's certainly of that echelon. Uh, the reason for that is that without Richie playing the rhythm guitar parts, Bill had to do it all, had to do every bloody bit of it. Now, I, I can't recall if Trey in Morbid Angel played a lot of gigs just as a trio. I have no doubt he did many of them, but he's the song's architect. Bill isn't. Bill has to interpret this stuff, and he does such a great job. And I messaged him after the show, and I said, holy shit, dude, wow, what a tremendous show. What a tremendous performance by him because he was moving around on stage. He's a consummate showman, the whole thing. And, um, yeah, it was, it was great to have a bit of an interaction with him and <laughs> share with him where he should go to have breakfast in the uh, breakfast in the morning, that sort of thing. And uh, humble, I, I couldn't stick around. I didn't want to be a punisher, so I didn't want to stick around and sort of bug him because I think everybody was going to do that after such a notable performance, as I say, carrying the all of the guitar parts in Morbid Angel in I Am Morbid in Brisbane. Wow. All right, uh, extreme and living color. Now this was yeah, it's an interesting gig. I would I would like to say that I enjoyed it more than I actually did. I certainly it was one of my last nights where I really got not hammered, but I certainly was drinking because I don't drink anymore. And I think extreme just played a bit too long, and they didn't play enough of the songs from Three Sides to Every Story. I think is the album, the third album that I had as a kid, and I I know those songs backwards. Pornography is a good album, but I much prefer Three Sides. And uh, they played two or three from that in and amongst a set list that must have hit at least 20, 20 songs, okay? So there was that, plus Nuno is a, is a brilliant guitarist, but you, that widdly diddly stuff I can only handle for a little bit before it's got to go back into songs, and he did a lot of soloing. So it might sound like it's a criticism. A lot of people like that, and I suppose it is in a way, I mean, Fuck it, who cares? I mean, it, it is what it is. I, I love Nuno's guitar playing. He's brilliant, but it was just a bit too much I found, and I was a bit underwhelmed by Living Colour. They are one of my favourite bands. They have, they are one of the few bands that I will say has been a direct and very important influence on me as a musician, so the way I play. Doug Wimbish uh, in particular. Uh, Stained, brilliant album. Uh, I just felt like uh, they were a band that was sort of morphing into... They're getting a bit older, so they'd slowed things down a little bit. And the thing about Living Colors music, it's quite metallic. It's very funky. It's got a lot of groove, and I think they relied on more of the soul stuff as opposed to the moving and grooving and faster stuff. And that's definitely not a criticism. It's just an observation. My version of the version of Living Color that I love, um, it's it, they're a monster when they've got it switched on, and they just didn't bring that this time like they did the other two times when they came down. Oops to Australia. Uh, another a gig that I saw recently that was odd was Hanabi. Have you seen these girls? They're from Japan. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're from Japan and they play in the vein of baby metal. That's the only way to describe it. I showed it to my daughter who's 10 years of age and she said, oh, it's okay. Still didn't stop me from getting her a T-shirt at the gig at the bright side. Okay, so my least favourite venue anywhere you can't bloody see anything and true to form it was packed out so nobody could really see anything and who I felt sorry for were the young ladies who were right at the back because I was right at the back couldn't I could only hear I could only see the tops of the Jesus stop moving I could only see the tops of the uh, the guitars 
Okay, so the tuning pegs for the most part. And uh, the band put on a good show. You've just got to like what they do. And look, I'm probably my demographic. I'm not really interested in a lot of that stuff. I just thought it was interesting to go along and have a look at it. And it didn't convert me. So they put on a great show. If you like what they do, there you go. Now, I mentioned that I caught up with uh, Matt Wilcock and Sam from Werewolves at Archspy because Werewolves did play on that show. So it's always killer to see Werewolves. And look, in my opinion, they're they put on the show of the evening that night. So Ingested and Archspire were, were on the bill as well. And Archspire are just intense as fuck. Like I know what they do on album translates to live because a lot of people are there. It was the first time I'd seen the zoo in Brisbane. That's a venue, by the way, if you're outside of town, with a, a uh, lineup that went right around the block. So they're connecting with a ton of people. I don't really understand it, though, because it's just too much. There's no breathing room. It's just constantly. Uh, Ingested were good, but, uh, yeah, I think the night for me personally belonged to werewolves. Yes, I'm a little bit biased, but fuck it, whatever. On the um, another local band or two local bands, uh, Triple Kill and Orpheus Omega. Now, they're both from Melbourne. I caught up with – I've caught up with members of both of those bands in the past 12 months. And I've spoken to Chris Samelko from Orpheus, and he has a lot to do with the production side of things. He produced or recorded, at the very least, the uh, the um, <clears throat> he's produced a lot of local stuff, particularly if you're from Melbourne. So he's got a bit of a Melbourne sound going on, not a Melbourne sound, but he's the go-to guy. You know what I mean? And uh, both of those bands had a bill at that the same bloody venue at uh, the Pride Side. <laughs> I made a point of saying to Anthony that I thought the venue sucked and then he saw me there and he goes, hey, you're in you're in the worst venue or so you say. And I caught up with him at the gig and I said, touche, yes, I am. But I wanted to, I had, a, I had a spare night off and I happened to be in the city. So I dropped by and look, if you're in Australia and you don't think good metal shows are put on, you've got to get out and support these guys because there are bloody good shows on because Triple Kill, Orpheus Omega and, a litany of other bands like fucking Misery and Laceration Mantra, man, they're out there. You just got to go out and watch them. Um, misery, okay. So I talked a little bit about the performance. Did I talk about the performance anyway? I'll talk about it again if I if I did and if I haven't, here I go. Seeing them down in, uh, yeah, I did talk about it, down in Southport there at um, Vinny's Dive. I know because I remember talking about Vinny's Dive. Yeah, holy shit. Look, if you do get a chance to catch Misery, I mean, I'm sure the guys are going to keep on doing what they're doing, but Damon on base up front is just vicious, just menacing. But a tremendous fella. Had a chat with him after the show, uh, he, and, he and his wife, and wow, top, top, great people. And... Um, Scotty too, Scotty Edgar, as I've already mentioned, yeah. But do check him out. So there were some other shows, but they're the ones that I wanted to talk about. What I will discuss now is that I will be on 70,000 tons of metal when I get this, whatever it is out of my mouth. I'll get it out. Yes, 70,000 tons of metal uh, in 2024. So that's why I'm wearing the hat in the show, in this one. Normally I wear my West Tigers hat, but... Um, I thought I'd uh, put on this hat. So if you are going on the boat and you listen to the show and you see me, I'll be recognisable because I'm wearing my hat, my Kubra. So please hit me up if you listen to the show. Let's just, I don't drink anymore, so let's just, oh, you have a beer. You drink whatever you fucking want. I'm more than happy for you to, you know, go and lead your best life in that regard. But 
I'll chink my soda water or um, Coca-Cola or whatever with you and just thank you for tuning in because it is important to me. I love doing this. It is my hobby, if you like, but it's an all-consuming hobby. So in some ways, it's a bit of a job too. But it's something that I really enjoy doing with my life and I just feel very privileged that I get to chat to so many of these leading lights and important people in hard rock and extreme metal. And I was uh, approached to go onto the boat as a journalist and hopefully I'll have a heap of conversations on the boat and deep dives with people when they're a bit more relaxed and able to release some of those chats uh, as uh, conversations on the Scars and Guitars podcast. Yeah. The bit I'll finish on is books. Well, you know that I like writing books and I've got a couple on the go at the moment. I'm, I'm not going to, I can't, actually can't discuss a biography that I'm writing. All I can say to you is, I'm writing the biography, ghostwriting it, of somebody who's very important. Okay, so it's a, it's it's an autobiography. I'm ghostwriting it. It's someone that if you listen to the show, you will know who this person is. They are, they are an important musician in the grand scheme of things, very important. And it's just awesome that they have invited me to help share their story. Yes, I feel privileged, but it's just listening to these stories firsthand. That's what I want to do. What I would love to do is to continue writing books and writing stories as they happen, ghostwriting biographies. That's what I want to do. I want to keep on telling these stories, okay, because there's so much bullshit out there and I've read so many books that are on Kindle Unlimited and stuff and a lot of people... They talk. They're not. They're not talk. They're trying to talk. They're biographies. They're writing biographies about people that they kind of know. They've done a bit of research on, but nothing beats getting the story from the person who lived to tell the tale. Okay. All right. I hope that makes sense. So, two books that I highly recommend um, that you'll get something out of. One more so than another, no doubt. And I'll start with the one that you'll get more more out of, and that's Tanner Douglas. Now, I had a chat with her. She's an Australian roadie. She was the first female roadie basically ever, certainly the most prominent female roadie ever because she worked on uh, – she worked with – not on, but she worked with an early version of ACDC that did feature Bon Scott when they moved from Sydney down to Melbourne. She has the tales. She was very, very close to the young clan and it was great to get her perspective on that era of that band. Even though I'm not a huge ACDC fan, I do like a lot of the stories and she has them, that's for sure. She also did work with Status Quo and probably in another thing which is very relevant to the audience on the podcast is that she, uh, Lollapalooza, she was uh, part of the production of Lollapalooza, had a lot to do there and from that she worked with Henry Rollins, Ice-T, Body Count, many other bands and her book is definitely worth it. Do go and download it or whatever, you know, whatever medium you prefer. I like reading on Kindle on my phone these days. It's so much easier to do this, isn't it? Not a huge fan of physical copy anymore, I must confess. Um, I'm always flattered when people want to buy my book and physical copy and God knows I've sent it all around the world. But, yeah, my book, by the way, Scars and Guitars, Volume 1, Conversations from the World of Heavy Metal, Heavy Metal and Beyond. There you go. Yep. Available now on Kindle and print on demand. And the other book, um, which is not which is not as highly as I won't recommend it as highly as the Tanner Douglas book, is the Silver Chair book. So the rhythm section, Ben Gillies and Chris Yonu have joined forces and they've decided to tell a tale exactly in the way that I mentioned. Just tell the truth. That's it. 
That's what I was trying to say early. They're telling the truth. You can do that and your honour remains intact and they have every right to share what they see because they lived through it, okay? So they can't talk about what Daniel Johns, who it must be said is one of this country, Australia's most talented frontmen and, and rock vocalists ever, but just doesn't play rock music and hasn't maybe had one or two albums of good rock music and maybe definitely one album, the first one, that was fucking Black Sabbath and Trouble and all those sort of bands. And Kevin Shirley, who went on to produce Iron Maiden, there's a good story behind uh, if he didn't do that Silverchair album, he wouldn't have met Iron Maiden. Uh, the guys in Iron Maiden really enjoy that first Silverchair album. So we've got them to thank for Kevin Shirley and Iron Maiden's longevity in a lot of ways. But, yeah, look, the book is a bit of a tell-all, but they're often the good ones, a bit like what the show's all about too, getting people on like Sarah, Jezebel, Diva, to tell the truth about what happened to them, what their experiences were. And those two guys do that in the Silverchair book. It's got some specific title, but just type into the Google the new silver chair book or something and it will come up all right that's it from me hey thanks for listening okay i really appreciate it okay i would probably do this even if i didn't have an audience it'd be pretty isolating but the fact that so many of you from all across the world tune in it's not lost on me okay and in some ways i feel like as though we are a bit of a community because I do keep in touch with a lot of you and uh, far too many to mention, but it'd almost be easier, certainly just about every country in mainland Europe, including uh, Scandinavia and Iceland, uh, North America as well, uh, people from across Asia, a little bit across Asia, and even a few people here in Australia listen at, to and watch the show. I do read the comments. I don't get so many that I don't have the time to do that. So, you know, the trolls are less than 1% of 1%, and I couldn't give a fuck anyway. So... All of the all of the other comments that I get, they're universally, you know, they're positive. They're in the positive quadrant, and, and I'm very grateful for it. I really do appreciate it. Okay, so that's a wrap for 2023. Please keep on listening to the show. I'll keep on doing it. As long as I feel like doing it, I'm going to keep on doing it. That's the only stipulation that I have, and believe me, I have no intention of stopping anytime soon. I am working on Volume 2 of my book as well um so i don't know whether that when it when that will come out i'm fairly busy with obviously the podcast and my kids and family and work and i'm also a musician so playing in my bands every weekend but uh we'll see what the future holds so that's it it's a wrap for 2023 i hope you have a great christmas and an even better 2024 see you around